A reading from Mark. A leper came to Jesus begging him, and kneeling he said to him, If you choose, you can make me clean. Moved with pity, Jesus stretched out his hand and touched him, and said to him, I do choose, be made clean. Immediately the leprosy left him, and he was made clean. After sternly warning him, he sent him away at once, saying to him, See that you say nothing to anyone, but go, show yourself to the priest, and offer for your cleansing what Moses commanded as a testimony to them. But he went out and began to proclaim it freely and to spread the word, so that Jesus could no longer go into a town openly, but stayed out in the country. And people came to him from every quarter. The word of the Lord. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. It's 1986. You're a 17-year-old junior in high school, and there's a sophomore who's caught your eye. She's got an older sister who's a model, and she's better looking than her older sister. And so uh, you get your game plan together. You go to the store to get her uh, some candy, Brock's or Russell Stover's. You go with Russell Stover's because you find a stuffed bear holding a heart-shaped box of Russell Stover's. It's perfect. You arrive at school with your game plan between second and third period. You're going to go to the hallway where her locker is, where she's always standing there, and uh, give her the valentine, ask her out for a date for that night. So toward the end of second period history class, your palms start to sweat, your heart starts to raise, the bell rings. You got your candy and bear under your Levi's denim jean jacket. You go out into the hallway, you turn the corner, and there she is talking to some friends. And you panic because you just wanted 30 seconds of private time with her. And before you know it, the bell rings, you've chickened out. You say to yourself, no problem, after school, I'll try again. The last uh, bell is about to ring, and after your last period of class, your hands are sweating again, your heart racing. You go right back to the same spot. And as you turn the corner by her locker, you you see that she's holding flowers that another guy has already given her. And she says, yes, I can't wait. See you tonight to the guy who's walking away. And as he passes you, he gives you a smirk. You missed your chance. So you take the bear and the chocolate and you get into your 74 Chevy Malibu. Beautiful 70s beige color. And it's sitting in the passenger seat and you glance over at it. And it seems like the bear is staring at you, mocking you all the way home. You walk into your front door, you give the bear candy to one of your little sisters. She says, oh, that's so sweet. You don't tell her she was plan B. That later that night, you're watching Miami Vice by yourself in your room, feeling so alone and wishing you could be as cool as Don Johnson. Sometimes our expectations don't line up with reality, right? You all have been there. And uh, Valentine's Day, obviously in a couple days, it's kind of a mixed bag. I mean, uh, from little kids to adults. Uh, I was talking with our confirmation class today about that. Um, you know, in elementary school, you have to give every, every kid in your class a valentine. And so you sit down with, you know, the box of, you know, Snoopy Valentines or Ninja Teenage Mutant Turtle or whatever kind of valentines you gave. And you, you spread them out and you figure out, well, which one am I going to give to the one I sort of like? And which one do I give my best friend? And which one do I give to the weird kid? Because you don't want to send the weird kid the wrong message on Valentine's Day. It's very stressful. And then, even as adults, you know, Valentine's Day can be, like, exciting and thrilling and um, but it can also provoke a lot of anxiety because rarely are the flowers and candies, you know, without strings attached, right? And, and if you're alone on Valentine's Day, it's like the loneliest day of the year. 
It's like, get me to February 15th now, right? Not fun. Well, in uh, Mark 1, uh, we see Jesus encounter someone who was lonely. Uh, every day of the year, a leper. And to be a leper in Jesus' day uh, meant that you were ostracized. You were literally on your own. In fact, listen to what the Bible said in Leviticus uh, about lepers. The person who has the leprous disease shall wear torn clothes. Let the hair of his head be disheveled. He shall cover his upper lip and cry out, unclean, unclean. He shall remain unclean as long as he has leprosy. He shall live alone. His dwelling shall be outside the camp. So if you were a leper in Jesus' day, it was bleak. Imagine not being allowed to touch or be touched by another human being. Just think about that for a minute. Think about month after month with no hugs, no kisses, no high fives, no pats on the back, nothing. Imagine people avoiding you when they come into your presence. Mothers turning their kids' faces away from you. They don't want them to see you. Imagine only being able to go to worship if you went to a synagogue that had a screen that would separate and isolate you from everyone else and no one would have to look at you uh, during worship. That's what happened. And so it was one of these lepers who came to Jesus, desperate and broken. If you choose, the leper said to Jesus, you can make me clean. If you choose, you can make me clean. In the Old Testament, there's a lot of passages about choosing to serve the Lord. Uh, the most well-known is probably Joshua's charge to Israel. Choose this day whom you will serve. But as for me and my household, we will serve the Lord. You'll see it on Christian mugs and calendars and stuff, right? That's the law. Just choose to serve God. Make the choice. Get it done. Who are you going to serve? Serve God. Interestingly enough, in the New Testament, there's nothing about choosing to serve the Lord. In fact, the New Testament is all about God choosing you. At the Last Supper, Jesus said to his disciples, You did not choose me. I chose you. And the Apostle Paul put it this way, God chose us in Christ before the foundation of the world. Peter said, you are a chosen race. That's grace. It's God's choice, not yours. Well, we're well into February now, and many people have punted on their New Year's resolutions by now. Maybe you're among those. Uh, Resolutions, things people choose to do or not do for a year. And resolutions tend to have a relatively brief shelf life, don't they? Uh, Oscar Wilde, the uh, famous 19th century uh, English writer, uh, listen to what he said about uh, resolutions. This is from the picture of Dorian Gray. Good resolutions are useless attempts to interfere with scientific laws. <laughs> Their origin is pure vanity. Their result is absolutely nil. They are simply checks that people draw on a bank where they have no account. Thank you, Oscar Wilde, right? <laughs> Do you think the leper chose to be a leper? You think it was his idea or like his life coach recommended that for him? It's not just lepers in Jesus' day. How many people do you know, and maybe you're one of them, that are in circumstances in your life that you would have never chosen for yourself? Could be emotional disorders or you know, chronic, some kind of chronic medical condition. Could be toxic family dysfunction. Could be insurmountable financial debt. Could be people that are in a marriage where they feel tolerated but not cherished. 
All sorts of people find themselves in situations they would have never chosen for themselves. And all those situations defy any resolution you might make to choose to get over it. Just choose to serve God. You can't change those circumstances sometimes. What I love about the leper is he knew that at the end of the day, it was up to Jesus. If you choose, the leper said, you can make me clean. Choice was out of his hands. And how did Jesus respond? Mark says that Jesus was moved with pity. Uh, The Bible translates that as moved with compassion sometimes. And compassion or pity, that was always Jesus' starting point with people. The Bible says when Jesus saw the crowds, he had compassion with them. He was moved with pity for them because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. You ever felt like that? Well, the gospel is that Jesus cares for you, especially when you feel like that. And Jesus was moved with compity. Come pity, that's a cool word. Jesus was moved with compity. Moved with passion, right? Might as well go both ways. Moved uh, with compassion and pity for the leper. And to find the ceremonial and ritual law of the Old Testament, which forbade anyone from touching a leper lest you be defiled, Jesus stretched out his hand, Mark says, and touched him. May have been the first time in years the leper had been touched by anybody. And Jesus said, I do choose. Be made clean. Jesus' compassionate touch healed the leper. Mark says that immediately the leprosy left him. And he was made clean. Brand new start. Have you ever received a compassionate hug that brought you comfort and healing? Uh, maybe it happens uh, when a dad holds his sobbing daughter who's been used and dumped by a boyfriend. Or when a sister hugs her addicted brother and reassures him that she still loves him. Or when friends who've had a massive falling out are reconciled and they just hug it out. It happens when someone knows everything about you. Your successes, failures, neuroses, the good, the bad, the ugly, the weird, all of it. They not only still love you, they still like you. And they give you a hug to share that. And that kind of compassion... That kind of touch heals people, makes a difference. And that's what Jesus did. He reached out and touched uh, the leper. Now, remember, the leper in Jesus' day had to say, unclean, unclean. He had to literally make sure people knew, you know, you don't want any of this. Stay away. I'm unclean. And a lot of times, uh, people in their hearts, uh, they feel unclean before God. Sometimes they feel unclean because of stuff they did that was totally their fault. And sometimes they feel unclean because of stuff that others did to them that was not their fault at all. For some people, it's both. And this sense of uncleanness can blanket people with shame. It can blanket them with the sense that God could never love someone like them. They're unclean. That God would want to stay away from them. And that sense of uncleanness defies any resolution you might have to just get over it. That's where the grace of God comes in. Because the only thing that can clean your heart up is the grace of God. The grace like Jesus gave the leper. Jesus was moved with pity and compassion. He touched the leper, and immediately the leper was made clean. Grace, grace, grace. 2000, uh, U2 came out with their album, All That You Can't Leave Behind. Paul and I love that album. It's amazing. The last track on it is called Grace. Listen to what Bono sings. Grace, she takes the blame, she covers the shame, removes the stain. 
Grace makes beauty out of ugly things. I heard it preached once that people are often defined by uh, what's been done by them or by what's been done to them, right? Either perpetrators or victims. And they sort of, that's their identity. The good news of the gospel is that we can be defined by neither of those. They both leave us unclean. Instead, we can be defined by what's been done for us in Jesus' death on the cross. Jesus' death on the cross, when he did that, he took the blame. He covered the shame. He removed the stain of everything in your life that's ever made you unclean. All of it. It wasn't your choice. It was his choice. God chooses to make you clean because he wants to. A couple weeks ago, I watched the film 500 Days of Summer. I don't know if any of you all have ever seen that one. Uh, I'm a sucker for romantic comedies. I just got to get that off my chest. I used to, you know, the only movies I liked had to have car chases or explosions, and I've just become a softie over the years, right? So I was watching this movie with my wife. Um, 500 Days of Summer, uh, Joseph Gordon-Levitt plays a guy named Tom. He has a 500-day relationship with a girl named Summer, played by Zoe Deschanel. And near the end of the film, Summer breaks up with Tom. Um, and she's moved on, but Tom has not. Tom is devastated. He's trying to get over Summer, and it's not working. Well, later, Summer invites Tom to a party at her house. And Tom's thrilled. And he buys a present, and he gets clothes, new clothes. He gets all decked out, and he shows up at Summer's door. And then the movie screen divides into two sections. It was brilliant. Great filmmaking. And there was a one-word subtitle on the left section, Expectations. All right? And the one-word subtitle under the right section, reality. And you watch both scenarios play out at the same time. So what happens in the expectation section? Well, Tom's greeted by Summer at the door. She's affectionate. She's thrilled that he came. Uh, She loves the present. And the whole night, they're kind of giving each other the eye and flirting and all that stuff. And eventually, they kiss and they reunite and life is good. That's the expectations. The reality, here's what happened. Tom's greeted the door by Summer, politely but distantly. She likes the present, you know, nice gesture, but not really moved by it. The whole rest of the evening, he's nursing a drink, trying to awkwardly engage in conversations with people he doesn't know, as she basically blows him off the whole night. And toward the end, he looks over, and she's showing an engagement ring to her friends. And he realizes the party that Summer invited him to was her engagement party for being engaged to another guy. And he leaves. He's devastated. And as he leaves, here's where the film gets even more brilliant. That half, the uh, reality half of the screen, slowly erases and covers over all the expectations and fills up the whole screen. Now here's the good news of the gospel. All of this is reversed. Because who in their life can't relate to that? Who in their life hasn't had a time when uh, what you thought was going to happen didn't happen. And reality, which was negative, covered the whole screen in your life. God's grace turns all of that on its head because God's grace is the ultimate reality and is better than anything you could have ever expected. That's what the leper encountered from Jesus who was moved with pity and compassion and his touch healed him and made him clean. And it's the same for you. See, the good news of the gospel is that if you feel unclean and your expectations from God are wrath and judgment... The reality is that God gives you grace instead. God has always been and is now moved with pity and compassion for you because he chooses to, because he wants to. 
And in time, the reality of God's grace will cover the whole screen of your life. All of it. Back to 500 days of summer for a minute, because if that's how it ends, it's not really a romantic comedy, right? Pretty dark ending. Um, so here's how it ends. Um, Tom goes to a job interview. He's still trying to get over summer. It's not really happening, but he's trying to get on with his life and move forward, right? Because she's married now to this guy. So he's at a job interview, and uh, he meets this stunning lady uh, who's also interviewing for the same job, and they start talking. And then uh, she introduces herself. Hi, my name is Autumn. And I have to confess, when I saw that, I got choked up. It's like, oh man, that's so great, right? I was totally like, totally. And my 10th grade daughter was watching with me. She said, Dad, you really didn't see that coming. Really, Dad. Really, come on. And I'm like, I'm like, God, that's so beautiful. You know? Literally a new season for Tom, right? Brand new start. And that's what happened for the leper. Brand new season, brand new start. So regardless of what kind of Valentine's Day you have this week, uh, be encouraged because the grace of God uh, and Jesus Christ is a Valentine for every kid in class, including you. And there are no strings attached. Amen.